Hello and welcome back to the EduPunks podcast. This is your host Craig Bideman bringing you another conversation with an everyday educator and daily disruptor. This week is a first. I'm inter- I'm interviewing someone for the second time on this podcast. Um, I'm interviewing my buddy Derek Zanetti of the Homeless Gospel Choir. If you do not have any idea who Derek is, you should go back and listen to our conversation. Like that happened like three years ago or something like that. Um, it was like episode twenty sixth. There will be a show a tag for it in the show notes so that you can go back to it and listen to that conversation because this conversation basically just picks up and we start talking. Uh, it's a great conversation about politics, uh, getting into his new album called This Land is Your Landfill, which comes out next week on AF Records. Uh, just like his last album, Normal, came out on AF Records, this one's coming out on AF Records as well. It's a really great album. Uh, you're going to get to hear us talk a lot about it throughout the episode, and you're going to hear uh, three different tunes throughout the episode. You heard some at the very beginning of the song Don't Compare, and you're going to hear a little bit of art punk, and then the song Punk as Fuck at the very end of the episode. So just stick around and listen to some new tunes from the Homeless Gospel Choir. Uh, I know that it was good to just get to chat with Derek for a little bit because uh, being in quarantine is really hard and missing friends and not being able to be around a lot of people that you're used to being around is kind of hard. So it was nice to just kick back for an hour and chat with Derek about a whole bunch of things that I had been hoping to chat with him about for a long time. So it's nice to just get to do that sometimes. As usual, I like to share that we are part of the Connect EDU network. Go to connectedu.network. That's it. Connectedu.network to check out all of the great podcasts and educational materials that you can learn from while you're in quarantine. Uh, it's a very uh, great resource and a lot of great podcasts and a lot of great educational materials coming out from our group of content creators and educators. Hell yeah. Um, that's really all I got. I want to get into this conversation with Derek. Um, he called in on the phone, so the our sound qualities are a little bit different. But I hope you enjoy the conversation nonetheless. And yeah, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Derek Zanetti of the Homeless Gospel Choir. Don't you, Derek, compare yourself to anyone but you. So I'm chatting with my buddy Derek Zanetti again. How are you, Derek? So good. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's a really nice day here in Quincy, Massachusetts. How is it over there for you? Oh, I don't know. I haven't been out yet today. Um, I've had um, today, even though it is Easter Sunday, it is an office day for me today. So um, I've just been in my house. I think it's cold. It snowed a bit yesterday in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Hmm. But um, um, just some, just a few little flakes. How are you holding up with the quarantine? 
I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing exceptionally well. Hmm. Um, I can't tell you why. Okay. Um, I have made for myself, my mental health hasn't been this good literally in years. That's I've awesome to hear. Myself, I've made myself the most rigid schedule and I've been sticking to it, including meals and planning meals and, um, winding down and meditation and art therapy and i mean you know every every hour of my day is like called for while i'm doing this thing so i don't have any free time really to like you know wander around and just let that evil in you know what i mean so like i've just been so ruthlessly busy that like I really honestly got into a really good routine and I'm kind of just like riding on it. I'm sure I'm going to crash. I know that I will, but right now I'm feeling great. That's really great to hear. Cause I know that some folks are definitely having a harder time, like ad- adapting and adjusting to the, the change uh, of basically being indoors all day. And um, I know that I actually feel like kind of a similar vibe um, because I'm definitely like, while I'm a big old extrovert, uh, and like to be around people. I'm I'm also definitely like okay chilling lately. I don't know. Right. I mean I think there's something about um there's something about collective suffering that I think is much more bearable. To mm. know that like I'm not the only one in the world who's bearing these burdens, that there's people who I love and care about also bearing this very same burden with me at this very same moment, I think makes it more more um more beatable in my mind if i thought i was the that the whole world was happening still and i had to be in my house locked away from participating in the rest of the world i think it would drive me absolutely berserk but the fact that like we're all being put on pause and we're all being told to hold um i think there's like a communal element of like we're all bearing this burden together that i think is um for me anyway, it's like, there's nothing I can do about it. I I can, you know, me getting nervous about it and wringing my hands and worrying about it is going to put me in the same situation, whether I think about it or I don't. So I might as well be busy focusing on something that's positive, like art or music or, you know, spirituality or, you know, trying to be kind or, you know, any of those other things. I think there's a lot of truth to that, actually, because um, I know that I've been talking a lot with students who are like, this is the first time they've ever had to do online courses. And like this, it's a huge learning curve because you have to like set a whole different level of self-accountability. And I'm having to do the same for the first time, like having to work from home. And so setting office hours for myself, setting time to actually do presentations, to do all the things that I would normally be doing on campus, like it's a whole different shift. And so setting those like schedules is actually like a really smart thing to do to like keep your sanity to some degree and having this like shared experience of really us having to like go through all of this together is definitely like, uh, I think makes it feel a little bit easier to some degree. Um, yeah. Because if I thought, if I thought that I was all alone in Pittsburgh in my, in the same pair of sweatpants for four days by myself, that's terrible. But I know that you are in Massachusetts right now in the same sweatpants as well. You know, mm-hmm. like we're all in it together. We've all, we're, you know, we're all trying to feel these feelings out in our own ways and like sharing it with you as my friend, you know, m- makes it not absolutely paralyzing. Yeah. And especially when you get to have like some of these moments where we're actually catching up and chatting a little bit, you're like, oh yeah, no, we are kind of just doing the same thing. (laughs) And we're going to, okay, listen, it's going to get back to semi, things are never going to be the way they were, period. We have to get used to that idea, but like things are going to be good. We're going to get to hang out again and hug each other. Mm -hmm. And like, we're going to be able to see each other at the punk show and you're going to be able to elbow your friend in the face at the punk show soon. I promise you it's going to happen. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. But we just like, we have to wait a little bit. 
Yeah. We got to do that. We got to we got to do this together for a while, and then whenever this is over, hopefully we'll figure out a way so that we don't have to come back to doing this again. And then like really appreciate what it's like to be amongst one another and like share in like a collective joy of celebrating our humanity together. Oh, for sure. I think that there's like a. I was thinking about it earlier today, where I was like, man, it's weird to think that no one's doing a gig right now no one's touring right now like that's like a shared experience that like a lot of musicians like you're supposed to be you're supposed to be touring right now right i'm supposed to be in chicago this very moment yeah like it's a really weird moment in history but in going through it together we know that like we're going to be okay eventually and there just takes a little bit of patience um and a little bit of uh recognizing that one day it'll It'll be okay, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like my, also my, my, my paranoia, there's always going to be punk rock, bud. You know, mm-hmm. like if the clubs don't open up, we're going to figure something out. We'll have mm-hmm. it in the basement. We'll have it in a barn. We'll have it in a VFW. We'll have it in a fire hall. We'll have it in a church rec hall. Like we'll, punk rock's going to make a way. I'm not worried about that. Like, the music industry people are like, the music industry is dying and it's going away. Maybe for you, but not for me and like my, not for the thing that we have going on. We're going to be just fine. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not worried one bit. Yeah, and you've actually been doing a really good job uh, going live on social media uh, lately. So you're keeping it pretty accessible, I think. What do you, uh, what do you feel, wanna... how do you feel about doing all those? I think it's been, we've done five so far and I love it. Um, I've done like some small little features on some different platforms, just like a quick pop in, play some covers or talk about, you know, records or whatever. Um, But like, they've been awesome. You know, uh, you know, Fridays at three o'clock, you have it on your calendar and there's a, there's an acoustic show that you can go to for an hour. And like, it's just like a part of your week where like the same people show up every Friday and they ask their friends and, it, and it's, it's grown organically to be like this wonderful community of people who gather on Fridays at three o'clock to listen to these acoustic punk rock songs that like, you know, that they, that they all, you know, enjoy. I love that. Like that's again, adding like a structure to life and having some level of normalcy yeah. during this weird time. Yeah. And it's like, <clears throat> It stays up for 24 hours. People are able to watch it if they're not able to come to the live stream. But, like, the most important part about it is is the routine regularity of, like, having, a, a, a you know, a connection with something that, that's familiar. You know, we don't know how long that this, you know, this quarantine is supposed to last for. You know, um, our, our, our fearless president said that we should be in church today here on Easter Sunday, just mingling about with one another, serving the Lord. Um, obviously that wasn't the case. I don't know how long we're going to be in, maybe till the end of April, maybe till the end of May. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure for sure. Um, but like, hopefully we have something that like get us through while we're doing it. And then, I mean, it's just as much beneficial for me to do these live streams, to be honest. Like I, I, you know, it's nice to say that you're doing it as a service to the people who like your music, but it's great. It gives me like, that's my Friday. I set up the mics. I set up the little backdrop. I write out my set list. I uh, I, I rehearse the funny jokes that I want to tell. You know, <laughs> I have like a really like fun time with it. And it's like my whole Friday. And then afterwards, you know, responding to feedback and talking to kids like, hey, I really like your set. You know, what what's the, tell me about that that band Jawbreaker. I never heard about them. And then you go ahead and you get to talk to a kid about Jawbreaker for 40 minutes. It's great. Um, it's awesome. I love it. That's so great. Like, I feel that it right now is like also a big, uh, in like revolution of actually seeing how far social media can take things. And especially like recognizing that the music industry in terms of like going to the gig in person, it might be on hold right now, but the people are being creative. The people are not letting it die. And a lot of musicians are like truly stepping up right now. I think there's like a, like my friends in Spanish love songs, 
did a set last week or something like that. And it was just like a little fundraiser too. So like, I feel like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of folks who are also just stepping up to the plate and supporting like the labels, supporting the bands. And so this is like a whole Mm -hmm. little revolution of how we can keep, keep the music alive during such a time, because I feel like music is such a, um communal thing and since this is such a communal time it's huge to have mm-hmm. these moments to like get together still feel like you're with your friends still feel like you're at the gig mm-hmm. but you don't but you can just go straight to the bathroom if you need to or you can go get a snack or mm-hmm. you can be sitting there with your favorite <clears throat> seltzer whatever works for you yeah i tell i think a funny thing that i do for all the shows is i say listen this is a free event there are no tickets at the door you don't have to wait in any long lines. This is a BYOB event. If you want to drink Miller Lite until your head falls off, go right there. It's free. It's in the refrigerator. Help yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this is an all-ages event, too. So if, you know, if you're in kindergarten and you love punk rock, welcome to the show. If you're mm-hmm. 102, you have a front row seat in your, in your very own section. And it's like a funny way, you know, to let people <laughs> know, hey, just come and hang out. It's going to be great. You know, I think the BYOB thing is the thing that made, it was the best joke that I told on the whole thing. There you um, go. And no, I like that uh, a lot. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't like, you know, Diet Coke, there's a whole fridge full of them. Get off your butt and get one. It's, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was funny. We got a fridge full of Diet Dr. Pepper and seltzer. That's my life. That has been my life for the um, quarantine. <laughs> we were having some delivery uh, for some of our groceries, and I was feeling... I drink a lot of seltzer. I, you know that. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, <clears throat> I was feeling guilty about having somebody deliver me all the seltzer that I drink. Cause if I'm going to go ahead and get it from the store, I'm going to go and get like a month and a half's worth. And then I don't have to worry about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, I went to Aldi and my favorite flavor, no one else at Aldi. Like I love grapefruits. My, my favorite flavor. And I went there and it was just a mountain of grapefruit. They'd taken all the other color, all the other flavors and left me the grapefruit um, Aldi brand seltzer water. And I went ahead and I got, I don't know, a full cart filled with seltzer water at my house. It's like someone knew you were coming. They were ready. It is. And it's not like it's an essential thing. It's just fizzy water. You yeah. know, you, I, I could totally live without seltzer water. I just, um, I just love it. Yeah, same. And and uh, we've got Polar over here in New England, and I feel spoiled because there's just so many different flavors, and it's so accessible over here. The Stop and Shop always has a sale, so I'm just always kind of stocked up on my seltzer. So um, Lindsay doesn't, trip, Lindsay doesn't let all. me. Lindsay doesn't let me keep diet soda in the house anymore. Um, okay. I'm not allowed. I'm only allowed to get it out as a treat. Okay. A little special I was something. Drinking, I was. I was. Yo, bud, I was going hard on the diet soda for a grip. I was drinking maybe two liters a day. It wasn't good. Oh, that's when you know you have a problem, Terry. <laughs> and that's why, yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay also plays as like supervisor caretaker in many ways. Because if I was up to my own, you know, devices, I'd just drink Diet Coke all day long. So she mm-hmm. had to step in and intervene and, and give me the stiff arm, like, um, knock it off, bud. um so let's talk about this new album you got yes this land is your landfill i love the title i love the album artwork uh you surfing in a in a a, like literal landfill (laughs) where'd the where'd the idea come for come from from naming the the album this from the artwork, um, what, what, where, where did the inspiration come? Well, um, Doug Dean is the art director for this album, and he's the absolute best. Um, he did uh, Normal as well. Um, and I thought about, like, I, I let him hear the songs, and um, I told, you know, the theme is, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a punk rock record about the end of the world. And um, the imagery that kept coming up was like, what is it like to just surf on this ocean of absolute trash? You know, all day long, we're just being bombarded by wave after wave of just absolute, just rubbish, trash. Um, 
are we going to let those waves like crush us and defeat us? Or are we going to try and like smile and surf on the wave? And um, I wanted to, uh, I, hopefully the art reflects that. Mm-hmm. And um, this land is your landfill. The, it is certainly a nod back to Woody Guthrie and uh, protest music. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what a, what a funny little wink back to Woody Guthrie for me to make a super loud, fast punk rock record that has zero folk parts to it at all whatsoever and just make like a loud punk rock record and then call it This Land Is Your Land still um, as like a different type of protest music, maybe. I don't know. But um, yeah. Well, I dig that because you say that it doesn't like you're... So I feel like this album, from listening to it a couple times now... um, it also feels like you departing a little bit from like folk punk. And so um, there's like, the, it sounds huge. The album sounds huge to me when I listen to it. Like it's a Thanks. kick in the face and I love that. Um, and I think a big part of that is you brought in a lot of people on this album, right? To help you out. What I was did. the process for that? Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> um, I, I um, I never sought out or like set out to be involved with anything related to like folk punk. I never really found much commonality in that genre. Um, I, I, I never really, um, I don't know. I never really was inspired by it very much, but it was the style of music that I would always get lumped in. And I wanted to make something that was such a harsh departure from that. And like, this is different. And this is um, in the same spirit of and in the same style of songwriting as, but sounds sonically extraordinarily different. Um, and I, I, uh, <clears throat> for a long time, I couldn't write any like acoustic-y, folky songs. I would sit there and I would try and try and try, and I just couldn't, um, I couldn't get with it. Um, I, it they, weren't, they weren't coming out that way. Um, I was on tour in, in the UK with Frank Turner, and um, every night, uh, the band the Arkells would come up with me, and they would play. Uh, they would close out the set with me. And would play normal together as like a full band. And every night, it just felt so good to do to just be up there with like other people that are also making this noise and this racket with you. And it just felt, you know, it it, it felt more together, and it felt more like being a part of something than just me up there by myself. And I just, I think, in many ways, I think I just grew tired of just being lonely up there. I'm like. You know, it's nice to, it's nice to, to, to um, you know, perhaps people to clap for you and to like your songs, but it's also nice to stand there next to other people while they're clapping for you. And like, you know, you have a chance to like share the excitement with other people and create something that's new and big. And um, while I was on that tour with Frank Turner, like in between, um, there was a UK part and then there was a little break, and then we did a U.S. part with the Menzingers and Lucero, and on that little teeny break in between the two tours, my dad uh, uh, had a heart attack, and he passed away, and um, I just wanted to just, I just wanted to just write songs that sounded and felt the way that I was feeling inside, and I wasn't necessarily sad about my dad passing away. I felt more upset and more angry, and I felt, um, and I wanted the music that I was making to like reflect that. And I, I, I thought if it, you know, if these are the feelings that I'm feeling and I'm truly supposed to make, you know, music that is, that is um, honest to the way that I'm feeling, I can't just write, you know, like a folky punk song. It just wouldn't be true. So as I was writing these songs and as I was, you know, putting them, I, I had some skeletons for some songs and some parts written. Um, I asked Matt Miller, um, who plays in Endless Mike and the Beagle Club, um, if he wanted to be in this band with me. And I was like, do you want to write this record and be in a punk rock band and travel around tour and be in a band together? And he was like, yes, I do. And um, we wrote the record and we put a band together. And um, it's, pretty, it's pretty, pretty cool, I think. It is pretty cool, man. And like getting to see you... Uh, with the full band like a couple months ago when you came through Boston, um, I could just totally tell that you were in a completely different like um, 
rip roaring ready to go kind of mindset like you were it, it was just really cool to see you having fun up there like in a, in a different way like getting to have yeah there's a there's such a good kinship when you're playing with a bunch of people because i remember playing in a band in college and just having like the best time and then when you're on your own it can be a little bit stressful and alienating and mm -hmm. still fun mm -hmm. at the same time but when you've got a group of people around you it is a, a wild it can be a wild time um, from that time when you were now that you're like traveling with a band, how do you feel um, the mental, your mentality has changed if at all um, or um, how are you feeling these days now that you go out with a band? It's the greatest feeling I could possibly imagine. It's, it's the best, it's the best you get to, this music is super important to me and and, and to have the song making the songs and and traveling around on them it's super duper important and to be able to share that with people that you trust and that you know and that you love and and it's just it's the it's just the best like it's a super hopefully you know while we're there we're hopefully just creating like you know like a joyful noise that we get to all participate in and it's like a you know I just get, they're so good at playing in the band. I can literally not even play my guitar. That's how cool it is. I mm -hmm. can literally just hit the distortion pedal and let my guitar feedback and scream my head off. And it's still super sick. So yeah. like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's awesome. It's the, it's the most liberating and freeing thing I've ever done. Um, it's the best. I love it. Well, and I think that that's a good reflection of how this album feels too. It's like, if this album feels like a, a lot of liberation in, in a lot of ways. Um, well, also I found it really interesting that you brought up um, the, the fact that you're writing songs from where you're feeling and some of that is anger right now, because I feel when I, the first time I went through the album I was like, Derek sounds like kind of mad throughout this album. Like while it's laced with a whole bunch of, it's really upbeat and like mm. poppy sounding at times there is, a lace of anger throughout a lot of this would you mm -hmm. talk a little bit to that because it sounds like um there there's something there's something in there that is um unlike what you've touched on in in the previous works um <clears throat> i i just think i i um hmm, that's a that is a that is an ob that is an observation that i expected to hear but have not prepared a fair answer for um i think um <clears throat> i don't know i don't know what I, I when i say angry or anger i i i, I don't maybe what i mean to say is disappointment or frustration i think frustration might be a better word for me to describe my feelings than anger because anger is like i want to get back or i want to i want to get my revenge or i'm i'm mad frustrated is i just feel like i've boiled over i feel like a, you know uh, i'm so frustrated about trying to um see this thing a different way or get this one wrinkle wrinkled out no matter how many times i go over it i mean i'm 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 angry too but the the, the predominant feeling i'm feeling is just frustrated like at the at my wit's end and i um i'm glad you picked up on that it makes me feel good that that's a that that's a strong undercurrent i just know that it's easy and cheap to make angry music it's 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 an easy and cheap thing to do and i wanted to try and figure out how to have the feeling of anger or the feeling of frustration or the feeling of disappointment sound not negative, if that makes any sense. That makes total sense. And I think that you achieved that really well. Um, and I, I say that yeah. in that way because I feel like, especially um, with Don't Compare, that song is like you literally say it, you're fed up. And it is a really like what you tackle in that song specifically as I think at the core of what a lot of people deal with every single day. And I know that I have like a lot of um, like a lot of like struggles with social media and the way that I see other people perceive their or present their lives and the way I present my life and like that constant 
um, comparison is something that like I get frustrated and I get angry about, but the way you present it is this, like it is laced in such a like um, upbeat kind of way instead of just being like, fuck this over and over with a whole bunch of like anger and actual like making it sound angry like you do a really good job of of almost juxtaposing the two two emotions um in a lot of ways um so i really dig that a lot um and you touch a lot and i think it it, it there since the album is this land is your landfill there's a bunch of like environmentalism and um just uh socio-political talk throughout this album um can you talk a little bit about where your um i know that you've been pretty vocal about trump lately um or maybe for a while and i'm <coughs> of your your approach to not necessarily just call the shit out but um do it in a more um um what's the word that i'm looking for in a more uh you still have a lot of there's still a lot of tact instead of just being like fuck this guy you do it in a lot more tactful way um can you talk a little bit about that at all well i I, um (laughs) i think equally as important as um equally as important as uh, calling something out or um, trying to burn something to the ground, um, offering a measure of um, offering an alternative or, or, or um, suggesting something that's different, um, I find to be much more rewarding. Mm. Um, Certainly these things are broken and bad and um uh a bummer what are we gonna do about it mm-hmm. and if, if the only thing that we're gonna do about it is complain about it on twitter i'm not interested i'm not mm-hmm. what are you gonna what are you gonna do about it what are you gonna do about it that's what i'm interested in and hopefully through us having a conversation about what it's like to be active, we can have a conversation about what it's like, how, what we're going to do about it. What are we going to do about it? How can we do something about the things that we don't like rather than just complaining about them and then it's too late? I think there's very, very <clears throat> simple and basic ways that we can do something about being involved in our very own communities that would better the politics of our whole world if we were invested just in our local politics. All right, it's time for the music break portion of the podcast. I'm bringing you a song from the new Homeless Gospel Choir album. It is called This Land is Your Landfill. It comes out next week on April 24th uh, through AF Records. Go to a-frecords.com to get yourself a vinyl copy, get yourself a CD copy, get yourself a shirt or a sweatshirt, whatever, whatever you want to support Derek, to support the label. Anything you can do to support uh, labels right now, especially since a lot of bands aren't too and especially since Derek's tour got canceled because of COVID-19, it's important for us to be supporting the bands and supporting the labels right now. I know I got myself a copy of the vinyl uh, for this album, and I'm really excited to get a copy of it. Uh, it looks like it just shipped the other day, so I'm pretty excited for that. And uh, I hope that you really enjoy this song coming up. It is called Art Punk and is off the new Homeless Gospel Choir called This Land is Your Landfill. Uh, Here you go. This is Art Punk by the Homeless Gospel Choir.
That was Art Punk by the Homeless Gospel Choir. If you like what you heard, go to a-frecords.com to get yourself a vinyl copy of the new album, This Land Is Your Landfill. That's AF Records, a-frecords.com to get a copy of the Homeless Gospel Choir's new album, This Land Is Your Landfill. Support Derek, support the labels, get yourself a copy, stream it when it comes out next Friday. Just just do what you got to do to support the bands, especially right now. We got to do that. We got to be supporting them. Buy, buy stuff from the bands and from the labels. Do it. Do it now. All right. Let's finish up this conversation with Derek Zanetti. It's going to get political. What are some of those things that you think folks could be doing um, to be more politically active locally um, for folks who are just like looking to get more active, especially right now when I feel like we're also entering a space where um, some folks might not be terribly sure of wanting to support the presumptive Democratic nominee for for president right now. Um, how do you think we get that excitement up? How do we get people involved? What are some of your suggestions there? Um, that is a, that's a, that's a quadrillion dollar question that I have <laughs> zero interest in entertaining. Um, how do we get people excited about voting for Joe Biden? Oh, for Christ's sake, I couldn't. If you had a, if you, if you had, um, there's, there's no amount of money in the world I could possibly take to make up an answer that would, that would make any sense for that. I it's don't so know what frustrating. Do <laughs> so hard. How do we get excited about Joe Biden? I have no fucking clue. None, none at all whatsoever. Um, I was fortunate enough um that i was able to play uh, on the bernie sanders campaign twice and it was such a it was such <clears throat> a point of pride for me to finally have a politician that i honestly believed in for the first time i think ever and like yeah. my 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 whole life that i that i was like you know i honestly think that this guy's telling the fucking truth like truthfully I mm-hmm. truthfully believe that he's being honest. And like, I don't think I could ever do that with any politician ever. And I certainly haven't been able to find one since. And like, I was super proud to be able to go up there and play my songs um, before Bernie Sanders went up and spoke twice. Um, it was awesome. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm not ready to talk about it yet. No, I get that. I get that fully. It's a really weird time because while I'm sick of the mental space I've been in over the last four years or so, it is really hard to believe that it might go on longer. And that is a pure like um, demonstration from the powers that be in the DNC that like they just don't care. And that was like one of the most frustrating things to like think about how we've had a candidate that truly showed integrity, like and honesty and vulnerability to then like have so many people fear that like there's like a fear inside of like the powers that be that are actually like restricting people from the opportunity to have a president with integrity. And that is like, so frustrating because now I just fear of Mm -hmm. another four years of this bullshit. If, um, I couldn't, I couldn't tell. I, I, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be sensationalist. I'm not, I don't, I'm only saying this because I'm trying to be just brutally honest. I couldn't tell you the difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Really? Other than their opinions about Roe versus Wade, which is huge. Other than that specific issue, I don't know the difference. I don't. It's really hard. It's if really hard to pick their, that out. If you put their if you put their shit up on a list next to each other, it's identical. Other than that issue, they're all about big business. They're all mm-hmm. about big, huge corporations fun, trickling down their money for us. Like mm-hmm. it's it's. It, there, it's the same. It's the same dude. It's so unfortunate. It's a little heartbreaking. I tell you what. 
not um, terribly excited about the decisions being made right now and um, how much it's going to impact education, impact the environment, like especially like healthcare. Holy shit. Joe Biden like hasn't even given a straight answer on that. Like it's so hard to believe what would even happen even if he did win. Like there's still not going to be much. And also just to say, and this isn't, listen, I'm not trying to go ahead and, 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 and you never, you never, you never piss down the, piss down the ladder in the middle of, you know, in the middle of turmoil and strife. But I do want to say this, that Donald Trump knew about coronavirus in early January. Period. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. The fact. The fact that he knew about it. And he, he knew about it. about it. Did a move on it. about it. Didn't make they any sort of They had a meme on the internet about it. Yo, people, there's not a, yeah, it's wild. I haven't been, I mean, obviously I'm here in Pittsburgh, so I haven't been anywhere else other than here. But like, it's, it's insanity. That's the guy who's going to win again. Yep. The guy who let coronavirus happen. Yep. Why? Because we were afraid of socialism. Exactly. And like right now they're, they're entertaining socialism more than any, more than ever right now. (laughs) With all these inevitability. Yeah. I mean, time out. Let's, let's be honest about it just for a second. These big corporations are going to find a way to produce the same amount of product without human necessity. So factories that used to hire thousands and thousands and thousands of people to work within their factory all had to be laid off because they weren't allowed to to be with each other. Mm -hmm. So now these big, huge corporations who own all the world's money and all the wealth and all of the all of the resources to, to, to knowledge and infrastructure are going to figure out a ways to, to continue productivity without human necessity. So these huge factories that once employed all these people are now going to have 12 and they're just going to be, you know, machine maintenance people. And they're just going to flash their flashlight on to make sure that the computers are reading right. So like, don't think that like there's going to be just a wealth of jobs that happens whenever the corporations realize that they don't need human human employees anymore well because isn't yeah like what you're what you're bumping on isn't that like the one of the key um beliefs behind the bailouts is they'll be able to like bring their employees back into the fold when like none of that's ever been proven or true or actually no yeah it's that's not gonna happen at all of course not the, the labor is the first thing that gets cut I mean, if they, honestly, if you took a true assessment of, like, what things corporations value the most, the health and well-being of their employees is very low. It's very, very low. The people who are going to profit the most of it, most of it, are going to be the people who've always profited off of it. It's so strange. Sorry, I went down a strange rabbit hole. Forgive me for that one. Oh, no, I enjoyed it because it is uh, something that I was actually very much uh, waiting to talk to you about because I know that, like, I can only engage so much through posts and uh, online stuff. So getting to actually talk to you about it feels really good. (laughs) Cool. And what a great space to do it in on a punk podcast. (laughs) Um, So kind of winding down a little bit, um, I really – uh, I really like the uh, the closing track on the album, Punk of, Punk as Fuck, Punk AF. Um, how um, how is your view of punk rock and the the entire aesthetic and um, clout within that scene evolved over the years? Because I feel like um there you you touch on it a little bit and i'm very curious as if you could expand a little bit on that track specifically um um it's the end of the world and the, the it's the it's the last song on the record and the world is ending and everything's falling apart and the the characters at the end of the record are, are taking a a true assessment of their lives and they're, they're, they're taking a true inventory of the things that they believe in and the things that they 
said that they were going to go out for and, and, and what they stood up for and what they believed in in this life. And they make a, a, a declaration and they say, you know, um, we're going to make sure that whenever we do die, that we die young at heart and we die punk as fuck. And that is the repeating chorus, how the record ends. And um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm certainly not the first person to play a um, um, uh um uh, a punk rock song in six eight timing but uh it's um it was it was it was fun to do it was a fun song to make that's great like i I think it uh really really hammers home the everything leading up to it on the album and um that's kind of what you want from a closing track and that's something that i feel um you really feel at the end of this album that like while the world is falling apart, we can still mm-hmm. die the way we the, die, the way we lived. Like we're going to die punk as fuck. Yeah. Like it's going to be, yeah. Well, it's going to be okay to some degree. Also too, it, it addresses like this shame of what it means to be old and still, still participate in punk. And like, um, what that happens to look like and what that happens to be like. Um, and like the importance of like holding it as an ethos for like your life without a haircut. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's not about a haircut and it's not about a wardrobe or anything like that. It's about the guidelines that you set up for yourself to make you the best person that you can be while you're here. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that that's really, uh, really telling because like something I talk to like students or just even like people in general is like, there's no one way to be a punk. There's no one way to like, sure. Or even have to like prove yourself to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, that's something that I try to do with this podcast specifically is I, I say it's like for everyday educators, daily disruptors. Um, that's kind of how I view the people who are punk, it's like something at heart. It's something that you Mm -hmm. see in the work that people do in the causes that people fight for. And in, it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. the way you look, the way you present yourself or the things, the things that you um, present, it's like what's in your heart. And I feel like folks who are trying to disrupt folks who are trying to like even educate at, at the core of themselves while it's, as long as it has that, core of trying to make good change in the world and still uplift the voices of folks who have been disenfranchised, whatnot, um, the, the, the weirdos, the freaks, the, the, the nerds of the world, like as long as it's actually like trying to uplift the voices of the folks who don't <clears throat> feel heard, that work is still punk as fuck. And so I think that that's sure. something that's uh, really wonderful to present to the world. And like, just to own it, like mm-hmm. there's nothing else I would rather do in my entire life than be 37 years old right now and, 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 and be making this music. Like it's exactly where it is that I want to be. Like it, being in a van, traveling around with my friends, playing these punk rock songs for people. I mean, which is going to happen here in the very near future. But like, it's exactly, you know, it's exactly where it is that I, I, I think that, that, that I should be. And it's just a song like even proclaiming that as well. Like, um, I might've fallen out of touch. Um, I might've fallen out of touch with things, but I haven't fallen out of touch with this. And, and that it's kind of like a, uh, just a declaration of that. Well, and that's, I think that comes through really well because you, you don't sound 37 on this record, Derek. You sound young. You sound vibrant. I'm not saying that 37 old. I feel that way. Yeah. And that's, the, that's what's feel, great to hear. I don't feel it one bit. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I guess people could look at, thir- you know, I don't know, being 37 years old and saying that's, that's old. And I just don't feel, it. I just don't, I have no, 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 um, no feelings about that. 
Well, I turned 33 this year, and while my bones are a little creaky, I don't feel necessarily feel old. I still pretty feel pretty young at heart, so I'm glad that... Um, every year is better. Like, for me, every year just gets better. I love that's it. That's great. Like, I get to do cool... Every year, I get to do cooler stuff. I feel like the only thing that changes every year is my trust level for the police. I trust the police less every year. Um, <laughs> I thought, like, the older... The older I would get, the more understanding I'd be like, you know what, maybe we should give them another chance, or yada, yada, yada. But the older I get, the more I'm like, man, I still don't like the cops, even more than whenever I was a teenager. That's the only thing that changes that I think is, like, kind of funny. No, I like that a lot. It's actually, like, been something that's been the the core of my disdain for the cops is my brother is a cop, and my brother and I don't get along very well. So I wonder why that has to Okay. <laughs> It's one of those I'm things sure that where, to it for sure. when yeah, um, uh, a couple years ago when I was home for like a holiday, one of my nephews was like, I was talking to one of my nephews and um, I was like, what do you think you want to do when you grow up? And he's like, I don't want to be a police officer like my dad. And I was like, or you could do anything else. And my brother was like, yeah, my brother's like, excuse me. And I'm like, nothing. There are just a lot of options out there. <laughs> That's what um, I think is super funny. My friend, um, uh, Endless Mike from Endless Mike and the Beagle Club, um, he has two, he has two small kids. Well, he, uh, two, two younger, two younger kids. And um, this is, uh, yeah, uh, hey, uh, um, Jack, what do you, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he's like, I think I want to be Buzz Lightyear. And I was like, oh, cool. That's great. He's like, well, what do you think I should be when I grow up? And, and Mike would say, Anything but a soldier or a cop. Mm. Literally anything but those two things. If you wanna if you wanna be if you wanna join the circus, we're gonna figure out how to make that happen for you. But the, the only two things you can't be is um you can't you can't join the military and you can't be a cop. That's the only two things you can't be. That sounds like a, a really good um standard to set for our children. <laughs> I can I can Let's definitely jump into that people. boat. Let's not kill people or boss them around. Exactly. That's a good first step. Or, you know, um, disenfranchise and um, put down people in communities that we're afraid of. Yeah. Um, I think um, I think about um, sometimes the people that I went to high school with that became cops. And... Um, there's two in mind specifically. One was a big jockey type of a fellow, a football player, yada, yada, yada. And um, he liked that. Uh, uh, he was a good, good football player or whatever. I mean, I don't know. But, like, he liked, he liked being that type of, like, an assertive, aggressive alpha male type. And um, there's no faster route to being acknowledged and treated as an alpha male assertive type than becoming, than getting involved in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was one of the kids from high school that became a cop. And the other kid that that became a cop from high school was just like, you know, king of the dweebs. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely got no, just, 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 uh, just, uh, um, just a, I don't know what to, word other to use than just a weasel, like a real weaselly guy, a real weaselly, like, jokester and like um you know not a class clown but just kind of like a dickhead i don't know what other yeah. word i could describe other than just like a dickhead yeah. and like that's the other guy that became a cop because like he didn't get any nobody gave him his kids credit or nobody gave him his do nod whenever you know he would walk the, the halls in high school so what a better way than to get the the respect and adoration of your community than joining up and becoming a cop so yeah that's that's like the two guys that became cops that i knew um both sucked that's um it's pretty interesting because my brother was one of those folks that like got in trouble a whole lot so he was one of those people that had a oh, bunch yeah. of brushes with police and ended up being one of them that's sure. the other route i see other people there's, going. there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of allure that comes with that kind of power to be able to to be able to to be able to treat people like that and to get away from it, I'd only imagine somebody who was looking, you know, looking to go ahead and get their just desserts would sign up to be a cop. Certainly, 
You get them? There's a lot of um there's a lot of power there, there's a lot of clout, there's a lot of unearned respect, I think, that exists there. Um, like blanket yeah. respect for folks who wear the uniform. I feel like it's one of those things where sure we get it, you put your life on the line, but also a lot of that is like purely like almost self-imposed like a lot of the a lot nah, of the, yeah yeah I, I don't know i have no time for that i have yeah yeah I, you know who's laying their life on the line the fucking people that are working at trader joe's going to give you groceries while while we're the middle of a, of a worldwide flu pandemic mm-hmm. those are the true heroes the people who are out picking up your trash on tuesday morning at 6 a.m they're the real heroes that need to you know, have 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 someone buy their breakfast for them. Not the guy who squeals on you for for smoking a joint. Get out of here. Exactly. Um, so, Derek, um, yes. as we wrap up, is there anything folks need to know about the album, about what you're doing, as we wrap up? Any last uh, things you want folks to know? Just listen. Um, make up your mind on your own. If you like punk rock music and you like uh, you like some storytelling, I think you like the record pretty good. Um, if, if you like to get weird and feel weird, go ahead and give it a listen to, um, if you think this is a whole bunch of hullabaloo and a bunch of nonsense, go ahead and listen to the record anyway. Maybe I'll change your mind. Um, I can't wait for this whole thing to be over with. If we're friends, I can't wait to hang out with you. If we're yeah. not friends yet, come on out to the gig and let's fucking hang out and be real buds. Um, whenever we're allowed to be out there and do it and I'll drink club soda and you can drink Diet Cherry, Dr. Pepper, and we'll just like, you know, crowd surf and we'll stage dive and we'll circle pit and it'll be great. It'll be sick. Hell yeah. Um, one last thing before we go. I know you've been um, that folks that folks might see your tunes for the first time and get a little bit um, surprised or like you kind of like catch them off guard or you might just earn a new fan. Do you have any interesting story? Well, like one story that comes to mind where someone was just like, holy shit, I got that. That just changed everything for me. Do you have one quick story like that? I was on tour on the West coast and I was playing normal for the very first time on tour. And I played in Portland, Oregon. And the very next show was in Seattle, Washington. And there was, um, a, I didn't even have the song written necessarily finished. And she saw the song in Portland the night before. And then we, it was either Portland or Seattle or Seattle and Portland. I, I, I don't remember which one was first, but she came to the gig the first night. And on the second night, she came to the gig with a huge bandage on her neck. And uh, I said, what happened to your neck? And she said, take a look at this. And she got, you're never going to be normal because you're a punk tattooed on her neck, like the size of a softball. Like I'd never seen anything like it in my life. And I was like, that's not even a song yet. I, what if I change the lyric? It's not even, you know, I haven't even made this song official out into the world yet. You got lyrics to a song that you heard one time at a, at, at a, at a show to somebody that you'd never met before. That's berserk. But yeah, that was, uh, that was one thing that kind of blew my wig back a bit. That's incredible. And being from like the Portland area in Oregon, um, that sounds about right. That sounds pretty on brand for the Northwest. It blew my mind. That's incredible. Derek, thank you so much for spending so much time with me this afternoon. April 24th, this land is your landfill, Homeless Gospel Choir. Thanks so much, man. Can't wait to see you. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to spend some time with you. You're the best. I really appreciate you. You got it, man. Thank you so much. That was it. We did it. Another conversation with Derek Zanetti down and another conversation for Edge of Punk's podcast in the books. Very thankful for Derek spending some more time with me. Really glad to be able to do another conversation with him. Uh, This was was the first. Who knows who I'll talk to next again. Who knows? This was was a first for us. I'm really uh, glad that it was Derek. Very wonderful, loving, wholehearted person. Really thankful for his support. Really thankful for his uh, love and and uh, care in this moment. Uh, very much, very much so. You need to be following him right now on Instagram, on Facebook, 
wherever you can because he's doing a lot of live streaming and a lot of sharing his music uh, with the people right now and a lot of sharing his art right now. Uh, so definitely give him a follow on Instagram and on Facebook uh, and make sure that you're uh, just keeping in touch because he's doing a lot of good work right now. Uh, go to a-frecords.com if you want to get a copy of his new record, This Land is Your Landfill. I'm going to leave you with another song, uh, p- uh, part of another song at the end here. It's called Punk as Fuck. We, we talked about it a little bit in the episode, and I want you to hear it to play us out from this episode. And as usual, I want to make sure that I put one more plug in for Connect EDU Network. Go to connectedu.network to get yourself a whole bunch of uh, insightful higher education and educational materials and content, podcasts and whatnot, what have you. Uh, so do that now. Do that as you can, uh, as, you w- as you would. I appreciate that. Uh, that's all I've got uh, until the next episode in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll get uh, we'll, 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 we'll get through this, I hope. I hope we'll get through this. Uh, Yeah, that's all I got. All right, let's get to work. The cool kids club is holding out for newer, younger, hipster punks Who only shop at the human store To see what they're not looking for And I've fallen far out of touch with what it means to give a fuck Now anything that don't at least sound like me don't speak to me The thread and the fabric that we lay our eyes on Is made of the same stuff that sewed us together When we're born And dying in our beds Knock on wood Years from now I won't regret or shed a tear About how I don't want to go